Welcome to Aspire to Rise, where we are teaming up to serve leaders and help them process through a challenge they're facing. I'm Joshua Stamper. And I'm Sarah Johnson. Now let's ascend to new leadership heights together. Welcome to Aspire to Rise. We're so happy to have you here and excited to have our guest, Mr. Adam Cottis. Adam Cottis. To join us for our second episode. Joshua, I'm excited to have our guest with us. Hey, before we start asking him some questions, I want to know how you've been. We haven't been on this particular segment for almost an entire month together. So what's new and fresh? New and fresh. The world I knew is no longer the world I live in. That's what's new and fresh. (laughs) Education has been flipped upside down. Um, not in a bad way. It's just, Adam, you probably can attest to this too, but the world is very, very different in the educational space. And so just trying to get used to that. You know, the COVID protocols are very, very different. And so just trying to navigate through those new waters. What about you, my friend? What's up with you? Well, it was so existential when you said what I knew is not what it is now. I was like, ah, speak a word, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know, our world doesn't change a ton right now in the Johnson household, but I've been enjoying diving into the courses that I'm teaching. So that's been interesting. And having held a class last weekend here in Wisconsin, we're starting to get up to capacity and in our hospitals. So in the schools that I'm working with, the people who are represented, 90% of their schools are going full on remote in the next week. So that's just a new world and something we've all been kind of prepping for. But here, the reality is not up here in the northwestern part of the state, but it's just an interesting observation. (laughs) It's such a different world, like you said. Can I just say your master's class is amazing? Yeah, I think it is. They're fantastic. Right, Joshua, you got to be a guest and they really enjoyed having your knowledge and wisdom. They're still talking about it. And this last weekend, we got to have Dennis Griffin Jr. I don't know if you're connected with him, but you need to be. He's amazing too. Yeah. Anybody here listening to the podcast should make sure that they're following Dennis. I agree. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get our guest rocking and rolling. You want to share a bit about Adam? Okay. So Adam, I met at the Teach Better 19 conference. He's an amazing educator and he is now one of our Teach Better ambassadors. And so I'm so excited to have him on the show, bring him on. And so Adam, just to kick things off, will you just share with listeners kind of your educational background before we begin? I've been an educator since about 2007. I did a lot of hit and miss stuff, whatever they needed at a school, was filled in wherever needed, long-term sub, sub coordinator, everything. And then was teaching for several years. And then I realized I would rather be in the administrative side. So I went back to get my master's in education. So I went back to school and I, once I was done, I was looking for a full-time position, either in education or in administration, struggled. I did more long-term studying. And then I asked one person when I was overlooked for a position. They said, look anywhere. doesn't matter if you think you're qualified or not. So I looked and I was like, I got to use my social studies background. So I went, taught fifth and sixth grade social studies for four years at a school. Then when numbers declined, I got cut on that one. Then I saw four or five social studies because I really enjoyed the fifth grade level in elementary. So I said, that's where I'd rather be. So I took the four or five position at a school and I've been enjoying that age group. But now I feel like time for me to start moving into the administrative side. So I'm just trying to find the best way to enter into it. I'm going to go ahead and ask this question of you, Adam. Thanks for that background. If you had, if you could describe your dream job, what would you ultimately like to aspire to in a leadership position? I would like to say the elementary level where I can see the kids truly develop. You can have the experience of having them grow, have them be able to see the energy you bring to education and have that passed down to them. So my dream job would probably be, as again, my background is mainly Catholic education. 
So they've seen the Catholic schools. I just want to be at the age level where the kids are still excited to learn and bring the enthusiasm and the passion to learn to a school and have kids and the faculty understand that it's about growth each day rather than learning more and more content. So how can you become a better person, not just for yourself or your community, but for each other and keep growing? Do you want to be at the ground level and planting those seeds? That's beautiful. Okay. So how about we, Adam, if you're willing, we are so excited that you would bring your leadership challenge to the show for us to process through it with you. And hopefully we can help share some tidbits or get us closer to a solution for you. But would you just share with us the challenge that you're facing that you want to process with Joshua and I today? Over the past several years, when I've been applying for administrative positions, I have been overlooked due to my lack of experience, especially because in the situation I'm in, the experience opportunities are limited due to limited number of administrative positions. So as I keep going out there, I'm presenting plans, I'm presenting everything I can do to show that I'm excited to be a part of a school community, I oftentimes get overlooked based on lack of experience because there's no opportunities to start. And I'm just trying to find what is the best way to show off or prove that I have leadership experience without having the actual title of an administrative role. All right. So Adam, you've got what it sounds like 10 years of educational experience as a social studies teacher, got your master's degree and your principal certificate. And now you're just feeling like you're overlooked and there's only a limited number of positions in the Catholic school setting. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And when the positions do come up, it's just the opportunity to prove that you have the experience, that I don't have the quote titles that other people have because of the opportunities aren't there. Thanks for sharing that. Um, So curious, in these examples that you've, um, I must have auditioned for, but it does feel like that sometimes (laughs) that you have applied for and interviewed with, what strategies have you used up to this point so far? Well, I've been working with administrators from the Central Ohio area, and they told me create a three to five year plan, a portfolio of the work that I've done, the visions that I have of schools. And I would walk in with a portfolio that has pictures of all the activities I do with my students. I would have a three to five year plan. I had a SWOT analysis of the school because it was a school I was already at. I was trying to present them. I would see as opportunities. And I had everything you could think of. I had recommendations in there. I had blogs I've written. I've had all this experience that I thought would be totally necessary, but it just didn't have the titles. So they said, everything was great. We love it, but we don't like you at the time because you don't have the experience. So Adam, has this happened to you one time or has this happened to you multiple times? I would say this has happened multiple times because I would get to the certain levels. I would get to the first interview, get the second interview. And then in the Catholic schools, it's a pretty short process. Sometimes it's more just like two interviews. I would get to the second interview and they say, everything's great, but not yet. We want you to prove it. So I'm like, okay, well, you tell me what I have to do. And that's the next step. They don't have another plan for me. They say, well, you just don't have the experience. Like, well, what can I do? And they say, well, they can't tell me anything. Else. Ah, the chicken before the egg. How do you gain the experience without having the title? And how do you get a title without having the experience? I just wanted to step off for a moment and let you know, listeners and Joshua, you wouldn't know this, but Adam, I think I applied for at least five if not six districts before I was ever hired. And in fact, I had my principal license 
back in 2007 is when I completed mine. And my first principalship was uh, the fall of 2012. So five years of persistently interviewing, always put in, and I gotta tell you, I just can so relate to your experience because it feels so vulnerable. And I heard you say something like, well, they don't want me. And, and it's so easy to place value on that and speak those words to yourself as if it really has something to do with you. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that you heard that there's a lot we could unpeel and talk about in the interview process and the politics inside of organizations, Catholic schools are not public. You know, there's the, some of those things exist regardless of the systems. And for me being up in the Northwestern part of Wisconsin, I would say that uh, my situation is pretty similar in the sense that there are only so many schools in the circle, the trajectory that I was allowing myself to travel around because my husband was very interested and has always taught here in this school district. So my options are self-selected slim, but same thing. I think there's probably only two schools in the immediate area that have any assistant principals. So when I did finally get a position, it was full on principalship. Um, so I, I just want you to know that I can relate to that. And even if you're sitting here feeling very vulnerable, being open and saying, man, I just get told that I don't have the experience and you start to feel like it's all about you. But in the end, there's just so much nuance to this. So I don't know if that helped you hearing it, but I am interested in just a little bit more information from you before we kind of go forth and, and give whatever wisdom Joshua and I feel like we may have to serve you in this. What do you think is ultimately the best way for you to overcome this particular challenge? I know you've been thinking about it. For me, I keep trying to work with my principal as much, much as I can. I keep offering my services to her and say, hey, how can I help you with this? What can I do for this? And I kind of had a little moment the other day talking to her, kind of made a big hint to her saying, you know, when let's start working as a team. Let's start really working because we can make a smooth transition. Kind of give like a big hint. And I'm here and she tells me, You're, I don't want you to leave the school. So I'm like, okay, well, let's make a system to smooth it out and make it happen so I can stay in the building. Let's start working together more. And that was one thing at my last school, I really, I was doing the emergency plan. I was working on the accreditation. I was like doing all the stuff for the principal. And then I was like, I have all this information and I still can't get it. So I'm still trying to figure out like, my big thing is really build a positive relationship with the principal and the decision makers, whether the pastors and other community leaders that are going to have a say. So I'm like, really trying to stay on the good side of everybody. All right. So I'm curious, and Adam, you could tell me I'm crazy by asking this question, but have you ever thought about working in a school that's not within the Catholic religion? I have. I've been thinking lately, is it too much Catholic school experience that I would be easily overlooked in a public school district? That if I have 10 years experience in education, but it's mainly outside of the public system, how much would that weigh into their decision say, what does he really know about public education rather than Catholic education? So am I stuck in a rut of, I'm not even going to be looked at because 
I don't have their experience rather than the opportunity to move into there. Yeah, I can see where you could possibly think that and that could possibly happen too. Who knows as far as who's in the interview process in the district and how they value the private sector versus the public. But, you know, as far as going through a transition, you know, sometimes we have to take a lateral move to take that forward step too. So meaning like, you know, not that it would be a forever choice, but at least it might get you that intermediate position that's somewhere between a teacher and an administrator. And so, for instance, like Sarah was sharing, you know, I've gone through the process before as a, when I was a teacher, I'd, I went through the interview process, went all the way up to the last interview and I failed miserably. <laughs> and so the following year, I had the option of either staying as a teacher or potentially interviewing for what was a behavior specialist job. And that was kind of the, in between a teacher and a dean of students in my district. Ultimately did not do that because my principal said, you're going to get the experience you need and we're going to make sure that you get that promotion in the following year. And I think what Joshua's, you know, saying is that sometimes you need to make that lateral move um, so that you can move into another position and him sharing his experience just gives us an opportunity to think about sometimes we want something so badly that we might miss an opportunity that's in front of us for growth um, and an opportunity to gain a skill that would have us stronger and more capably competent to take over those roles, which I think we've talked about before that you just, you never know what it's like until you're behind the desk. Is that accurate, Joshua? Do you want to add? that? Yeah, I was thinking about being comfortable in the uncomfortable. So going into a position that you may not understand or, or feel vulnerable in, but it's going to give you the growth, maybe that stepping stone to maybe get into the principalship where you truly want to be, which is in the Catholic school. One more question before we kind of roll into some things too. Do you have colleagues, some mentors, maybe some, a sponsor or two in the Catholic education system that have uh, been in and out of the system that might be able to speak to their experiences in that? I work with a couple of principals that I know well, and I talk to them frequently about their experience of what, how they got to the position. But again, it's such a limited number and it's also it tends to be very close with each other. So they're, they got their own little groups. So trying to break into their little group because a lot of schools tend to be more secretive with what they do kind of, so they kind of keep their school their way. So they're all like independent from each other. So they really don't like to communicate. But I do have a few that I work with and talk with them frequently on Twitter from our local area. And some of them are actually community based right by me. So I do talk to them, get ideas and throw things off of them. So I still would like to visit them. I got close to a couple, but I'm like, then at the end of March where March happened and I'm able to get there. I don't know how it's going to be to visit a school this year with everything going on, but I really am trying to build those positive relationships across Twitter and in the area to do what I can. That sounds good. Okay. Well, I think that we've got, you know, some good, probably some tips here and there, and I'll just kind of launch into some that I was thinking about as I listened, because just knowing that this is this issue for sure is going to be something that our listeners have either experienced or might be experiencing now. And that is a challenge. And when I reference the fact that throughout that interview process, there are just some nuances that are hard to understand sometimes. And, you know, since you're, I'm not going to say you're new into this process, but if you looked at our comparison, you're, I mean, fairly new compared to five years of getting the no, right? Like, yeah, I think it's just important to maybe get used to hearing no and figuring out a way to 
not internalize that personally, because I totally get where you're coming from, where you feel like this is the next step. I got to do it. I need to break in, but I would highly recommend practicing getting no. And what I mean by that is between now and the next hiring season, do some things that are out of your comfort zone that might not be related to the actual interview and application process, but that you can fully expect that you're going to get a no for, <laughs> that you're going to do it anyway to practice that. I, I just There's just something about building your resiliency skills. And I honestly can't even reference where this came from, but it's something that I've learned in the last couple of years as, in my new role as like a solopreneur, um, that people are constantly saying, if you're trying something new and you're trying to break out and do something new, get used to hearing no. And this is coming from somebody who's been given plenty of no's with, you know, formal positions, but, um, you know, like a book proposal that got a no that then forced me to put it to a different spot that got the right yes. Okay. So I think that kind of gets back to a little bit of what Josh was talking about with, you know, maybe you're knocking on the door that's not meant for you. I know you're a faithful person. And so just kind of thinking that one through a little bit is that sometimes we want that path to be ours, but maybe we need to kind of look up and out and see that it might not be that one in particular. It might be a different yes that has to come, but we got to get used to those rejections so that we can learn how to not take them too personally and label ourselves. And I really want that for you, Adam, because I, I, I know how hard that is to start to like wear that label. Um, and also listeners of this podcast are very familiar with me referencing this, but we also want to be really careful about not getting into that trap of idolizing a title. And when I heard you say things like you were told that you don't have the titles. So, you know, you're kind of using titles and experience interchangeably, which I completely understand why, because maybe that's the advice you were given. And so when I'm hearing that from you, I'm thinking again, that either the message was, yes, you need to have the title or they want you to have the experience. We just know that leadership is so much more than titles, right? And so embracing that idea that you have started to do, which is working with your current principal to say, what experiences can I gain without that title and, and not idolizing that title as the thing that needs to be done to get that work done. So those are, just, those are more mindset pieces, but I felt like charged to say those things to you because I completely understand your position. And I think that when we can free ourselves from both of those things, the feel of the sting of the no and that, you know, desire or need to have a particular title, they, they just can be really, really freeing. And then two more things. I don't want to take all of Joshua's thunder of what he might be thinking, but I haven't learned to read his mind yet. So um, we're working on that. But I, I know you mentioned that you have uh, a PLN that's local, but I would challenge you. And in fact, off of this chat, I am going to give you some connections with a couple of principals that I know that have worked both in the public setting and the Catholic setting. And I just really think it would be good to have some very vulnerable and real and authentic conversations with them about their experiences toggling back in and out, not just the people that are in the system and know how to play the Catholic school game, but like the people who have been in and out, because maybe you will be, and that just gives you a, a more rounded perspective. And they might be able to free you from some of the things that you've been stuck in. I guess, and they might have some really good tips. So I'm just going to name drop them. Two that I know, one is Bobby French, who's been in and out of the system. And the other 
one is Monica King. She's a dear friend. She's a effective leader in Kansas. And I know she's part of the Catholic Ed chat. So I'll make sure to get you connected with those two. Um, and they might be able to broaden that, you know, even further, because I think if we can get connected with people who will boost us up and also just give us some real truths, I think that can be powerful. On that, my final tip and my final thought is one of the things that has really served me um, in my experiences of trying to gain into a position is mock interviewing. And I do that with people that I trust so that they will tell me, look, you missed that mark completely because part of it is, could it possibly be, I don't know, we're not a little birdie on your shoulder alongside you in this process, but is it possible that your, your, your three to five year plan and your portfolio, which is all amazing and all of those things somehow are not clearly communicating your value um, and the experience that you have behind you. So if you were able to mock that up and just get some really authentic feedback from people you trust, it might be a neat experience for you to see how you can pivot next time you get that opportunity. Well, here's, here's a couple of things um, that I've got. So one, Adam, I know you are connected because you're a part of the Teach Better Master Program. And I know you're a part of the Aspire Boxer Group too, with amazing educators. Um, so I know you're hungry and you're trying to get linked to different folks. And I want you to continue that. But I, I do want to say that Sarah was correct and find someone that's going to give you the the feedback that you need. So the mock interview is a great process, but then have someone go through your, like actually everything. So like your letter of intent and your resume and your portfolio, all of that stuff, that's actually going to give you real feel, feedback, not someone that's going to sugarcoat it. Because if you have someone that just tells you what you want to hear, you're not going to grow to get to that next position. So you really need to find your trusted people. Like you said, the Every district runs differently and there is a political system within that. So you're right in like trying to network and trying to figure out what those are, but you need to find trusted individuals that can mentor you. And if it's in the Catholic space, then that's fine. If it's private schools in general, if it's all education, that's great. You just need to find someone that's actually going to be able to give you that feedback and not mince words. You need honest, true feedback, because if there is something that you're doing wrong, I know you, Adam, you're going to want to know what those things are so you can fix it, but you can't get that from people that are just going to give you PC answer to just, you know, not wanting to hurt your feelings or not caring about you and your future and just trying to pass you along. So you need to find those trusted individuals. Adam, do you have any um, thoughts or questions or clarifications about anything that Joshua and I said? Oh, no. I mean, I know you mentioned the Catholic ad chat, which I to actually participate in. So I've heard those names before. So that'll be good to better connect with those two. I think a lot of times you're, what you're saying is how it's sugarcoated. It's like, yes, I hear they say, oh, everything's great. You're looking great. This is a wonderful plan. Maybe there are things that I'm missing that people who I need to be more out there to say, hey, you know what? I need a real perspective, not just my colleagues or close administrative friends. Some of you out there say, hey, I don't know your whole situation, but this is what I would see and really dive into it and say, look here, look here and try to fix it. So those are probably two special things that I will start doing. Both very vulnerable and that's awesome. And so, you know, one final thought that I wanted to leave you with Adam is that, oh man, as from being on both sides of the table, interviewing people and hiring, and of course, trying to be interviewed and hired, I, I know how nuanced is the best word I can come up with. And when I think about it, sometimes, you know, sometimes it, it, the important thing is just remembering what your vision is and how the type of a leader you want to be and fitting into that organization is sometimes worse. How do I want to put this? It's almost more important that we're, you're clear on 
who you are. And if you're walking in with your three to five year plan and that SWOT analysis and all those things that you were doing, and that's who you are and you're not hired, then that's okay because you leave it on the table and you put yourself out there and the right spot will be where you are. Because if you were to adjust yourself to meet the expectations of whatever you think the mission and the vision is of that particular organization, and it didn't fit who you are at your core, it really wouldn't be, um, you know, the most positive experience for you. So just a thing to consider that I always pour into my students who are looking to gain into a position and and they're setting their mission and vision and they're looking at the school's mission and vision. You just really want to make sure that, you know, you're selected because you're the right person for the job and that you are going into the organization that is right for you. I'm excited to see where your future goes because I'm sure it'll be right on. I want to add to that too, Adam, because I know you can take it personal every time you hear no. I know I have heard no plenty of times in my career, but I now reflecting back on every single one, every single position I did not get, I can truly say it was for the best of myself and for my family. And so hopefully when you look back at the times that you did not get the positions, you can you can reflect and say the same thing. And, and when you do get the position, because Adam, I know you're going to get the position at some point, you're going to get that administrative position and you're going to realize that the trials and tribulations that you went through only made you a stronger leader moving forward. And the position that you will have is the best one for you, Adam. So um, I know it's going to happen for you. It's just a matter of time. Thank you. Adam, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your leadership challenge that we, Joshua and I know is going to benefit every single listener um, because we've all been there. We've all had the chicken before the egg scenario. And I'm so grateful that we got to have this conversation with you. And I just wish you the very best on your journey. Thank you very much. 